Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austin Light. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. And my very special guest today is the returning Paula. Hooray! <laughs> she was very disappointed to miss out on that one chapter, so I had to do one episode where I did a book review and said so she didn't miss out on two chapters. Oh, you're so kind to me. I try to be. Yay! And today we are looking at chapter 47 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. In chapter 47, the gardeners and Elizabeth return to Longbourn. And you make it sound so short, like that one sentence, they return to Longbourn. But it sums it up. Well, it does. It is just, though, that it is a very, very long chapter. It is a long chapter. Well, actually, yeah, not a lot does happen, but a lot is revealed and discussed. On the trip home, Elizabeth is discussing with her aunt and uncle about Wickham, and Mrs Gardner says, it is, too, it is really too great a violation of decency, honour and interest for him to be guilty of it, believing that. Wickham's still a good guy that, of course, he's going to marry Lydia. And we do that, don't we, in real life? We go, oh, no, it really can't be that bad. You can see by Jane's account, his most particular friend was never persuaded of his attending to marry her. Wickham will never marry a woman without some money. He cannot afford it. And what claims has Lydia? What attractions has she beyond youth, health, and good humour? Which are the same things that attracted Mrs. Bennet to, well, Miss... Mr. Bennett. He married Mrs. Bennett basically because of her youth, health, and good humour. That's quite right. Lydia had no money, but I think the one thing they're missing there is her virginity. That he wants to take it, you think? Oh, I do. And I know Austin didn't say it, but I just kind of feel like she maybe understood men. Maybe I'm completely wrong and I'm reading it with a 21st century lens, but I wonder if she understood that. I don't understand this whole thing of wanting to have sex with virgins. Wouldn't the sex just be awful? It's a... A, um... Power move? Thank you, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. I still don't get it. Men are weird. I don't get that, though. That's obviously how some people think. And it's not how I think. Yeah, that's right. True. But then also, you're nothing like Wickham. You wouldn't have run off with somebody. And like then that. left debts behind me. No, exactly. They mentioned that. We all know that Wickham has every charm of person and dress that can captivate a woman. Um, but it says, He is imprudent and extravagant. He left Meriton greatly in debt. Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking when we were reading it just before about how he's actually the foil to Darcy. Or Darcy's the foil to him, actually, really. Because Darcy is honourable and has integrity mm. and wouldn't leave places uh, without paying his debts and, in fact, pays debts for others and would never run off with a woman. In fact, he goes and proposes to Elizabeth against his better judgment as such because he feels, you know, that's the right way to do it. We were reading this and we kept saying about how Jane keeps downplaying things and it says, of whom does Jane ever think ill? Oh, yes. She's so gorgeous in this chapter. So many times through the chapter. She says, I'm afraid I did not do so much as I might have done. Yeah. She's trying to deal with her mother, who, as we know, is just so self-involved. Um, and, and she's trying to deal with her on her own after her father is gone to try and find Lydia. She's got Kitty there, who's of no use whatsoever. She's having to be the parent. Yeah, that's right. She's having to be the parent, and it's hard. As well as having the small children there. She's looking after them as well. Yeah. 
on top of her mother. And she describes Wickham by saying that his conduct had not always been had not been always quite right. Mm. What a very delicate way to downplay it. Yeah. She is so sweet. She really is. And there was a bit that made you cry out, it's not your fault, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, I did. Fixed there by the keenness of all anguish, self-reproach, she could find no interval of ease or forgetfulness. Yeah, so they're driving home, her and her aunt and uncle, and, you know, they're, they're talking about what has happened, and in Elizabeth's mind, she's blaming herself for what happened, and it's not her fault. No. But you see how she could think it is her fault. But as you pointed out, Lydia wouldn't have listened. No, Lydia would never have listened to her. And it's not her fault that Wickham is a bad person. I, I think she and, and Jane perhaps were right not to badmouth them around. And what can you really say? He's a bad, bad man. You can't say he tried to run off with Miss Darcy because that ruins her reputation. All you can say is he is bad. Yeah, exactly. And perhaps that might may, might have made her look a little petty as well because he did show particular attention to her at one stage and people may have been thinking mm, well she's just been thwarted in love mm. but it was just so it was not her fault no. but speaking of miss darcy elizabeth does manage to use her as an example to explain wickham to her aunt and uncle yes it's very clever from what he said of miss darcy i was thoroughly prepared to see a proud reserved disagreeable disagreeable girl Yet he knew to the contrary himself. He must know that she was as amiable and unpretending as we have found her. Yeah, it's quite good that they've met Miss Darcy, so they know what she's like. And she's so sweet. She's another Jane, I think. Yeah, perhaps she is. So Mrs. Bennet is mid-rant, and she goes, and then she's like, yep, but make sure she has as much money as she wants a wedding clothes. She goes back to rant, and then she's like, but tell her not to buy any wedding clothes without talking to me first. Like, this is the thing that she thinks is important. Obviously, that's put in there for humour, and it is funny. As we were reading it, I was hoping that uh, we got to it, got to the scene within this chapter of Mrs. Bennett in her room, because I just find it so funny, as well as frustrating. Um, but it does help to show that disconnect between Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett, which I think is really important to, the, to holding the book together to explaining their daughters and explaining why they act the way they do. Because they have such very different parents. Yeah, and they've not had um, very good role models in their lives. Um, so their mother has just been so twitty um, and their father has withdrawn himself because he's kind of given up. So, you know, that they haven't had great role models and you need good role models in your life to, to help you, especially when you're as isolated as they were. Mm. It wasn't like they could turn on TV or look at Instagram or anything to find any other role models, this is it. This is what they had. It's quite sad, really. Yeah, and I mean, it was the way the world was for a very long time. Have an absentee father and yeah. a silly mother. I think they're almost caricatures of people of that time where the woman didn't have to be educated so she was quite silly and where the man was you know very manly and had to work on the farm or work in, with his books so he wasn't necessarily there for his children yeah they do read like caricatures don't they a little bit yeah but they're also well-rounded so they feel like real people yeah jane austen is really clever in the way that she has created her characters so? she's quite a popular author i think yeah i think i think maybe she might last 
just she, a little. She might be someone that people talk about for a few years. <laughs> and Lydia's note that we get, which is hilarious and so, so wrong. Oh. Uh, there's a bit in there where she talks about a great slit in her gown. <laughs> And now lots has been written about this great slit in her gown that it's a metaphor for Wickham taking her virginity. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. I wondered why you had that bit underlined in your book. I thought it was just because it just like adds to, her, to showing her selfishness that she wants someone to fix her gown for her before it gets packed up and sent away. But yeah, it could be a metaphor for that interesting it is a bit of a random thing to just throw into the middle of the letter though i wish we could sit jane austen down and have a chat to her about these things oh one day you one never day. know one day her and moses i'd like to chat to him too that's an interesting choice so very different choices this is true just in, in case you're wondering you couldn't tell by the tone of voice my sister just looked at me like i completely lost my mind <laughs> I think it sets us up well for for what's to come. We know what's happening in the household. Um, we've got Mary who is making ridiculous comments at the table. I mean, they're not ridiculous as in they're wrong. You know, she does talk about virtue being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not thinking of anybody else and she's not actually being helpful. Um, we've got Kitty who is, is slight and delicate. Yes. So I think, because I have a theory that Kitty is sick, that Kitty's been sick in her as a child, and the book that I read, that I did the review of last week, which I'm sure you've listened to. Yes. <laughs> twice, even. <laughs> and the book, she was sick as a child. And I think that makes sense of Kitty's position in the family quite a bit, that she is, that she's sick and delicate and therefore... Um, Lydia is that much stronger a character and that much stronger as a person. So that's how the younger sister manages to dominate her. Yeah, it does make sense. Because it's quite, it's an interesting dynamic between the two of them. Yes. Yeah, that does make sense. I always imagined that Lydia was just prettier than her as well. I think she is. Yeah. Anyway, my point was uh that we are set up for what is to come in this household. Neither Kitty nor Mary being that helpful um, and not really understanding what's happened. Um, yeah, they don't seem to get the magnitude of what, what's happened, that they may have difficulty finding husbands now, that their whole family has been. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mary seems to understand it. She's talking about virtue, but she doesn't seem to understand really how that will affect her. her or seem to see... She doesn't have to interact with her mother. I, I don't know, maybe she's just given up on her, but it, it's not as if she realises that she should have any responsibility in the household. It's so rude for the younger girls to leave everything up to Jane. Yeah, so we're set up for, for what's to come and how things will play out with with Lydia and the rest of the family. And that is our summary of Chapter 47 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Uh, my name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of 
the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!